Bless God. Well, good morning, everybody. Praise God. Are you glad to be here? Yeah. Wonderful. Nice to see those online as well, although we can't see you. We can't see you, but you can see us. <laughs> so it's good to have those online joining us as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and without Him, without the Word, nothing was made that was made. And John writes in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Genesis begins by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. So right there in the beginning, we have the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to talk for a little while this morning on God's dwelling place. And if you've got your Bibles, will you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works." Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father's in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Greater works than these, that, that these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, 
I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, and because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I am in you. And this is the verse that I feel the Lord wants to be the foundational verse for where we go today. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest or reveal myself to him. Judas, Iscariot, Judas not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? This is the verse. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my word, for the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So I want this morning to talk about God's dwelling place. Notice what Jesus said. He said, He who keeps my word, my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. Throughout the ages, God has had a great desire to have fellowship with his creation. The Bible tells us that when he made man, he made man in his own image. Let us, Genesis says, let us, again the triune trinity, let us make man in our own image. And Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they enjoyed fellowship with God. They experienced the presence of God. They heard his voice. They walked with God in the garden. Until that day when they hid themselves, when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And God had to shout out, Adam, where are you? Adam, Eve, although banished from Eden, cut off from the tree of life, they still had fellowship with God. God still communed with them. In fact, he made a way through blood sacrifice that man could still keep that openness between them and God. And God could still have fellowship with man through the blood that was sacrificed. Enoch walked with God. The Bible says he was not, for God took him. Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord, in the eyes of God. And God commanded him to build an ark 
wherein his whole family was saved from the judgment that came with the flood. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they all knew what it was to encounter God, to know God. Moses knew God. He was a prince in Egypt until he was 40 years of age. And he knew, as a prince in Egypt, that God had called him to lead the children of Israel out of their bondage and slavery. He knew that. The Bible tells us he knew it. He thought that the people would understand that God had called him. Of course, he went about it all the wrong way, didn't he? He killed that Egyptian, and as a result, he had to flee into the wilderness he was a prince in Egypt for 40 years and he was at the backside of the desert looking after sheep for another 40 years. Until that day when he saw a bush that burned and it wasn't consumed. And drew near to the bush and heard the voice of God saying, take your shoes off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. He went into Egypt with a mandate to let the people of God go, that they might serve God. And God, through Moses, brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. The Bible says he brought them out with a strong and a mighty hand. There was that cloud that followed them by day and night. A cloud by day and the cloud turned into a pillar of fire by night. The visible presence of God. The Bible says it was with them throughout all their wanderings through the wilderness. God was with them. At the Red Sea, that cloud parted the Israelites from the Egyptians. At the Red Sea, the Egyptians couldn't come near because of the cloud. The presence of the Almighty. The word of God tells us that when they crossed the sea on dry ground. On the other side of the sea they saw the Egyptians washed up. Their dead bodies washed up on the seashore. And Miriam took a, took a timbrel in her hand. And she began to dance. And they sang a song. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the riders he has thrown into the sea. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. And during the wilderness wanderings, God demonstrated his mighty power. Every day they lived with a miracle. They had manna from heaven. They ate angels' food, the Bible says. God provided for them. The Bible says their shoes never wore out. And there was not one sick or weak one amongst them. Moses pitched his tent outside of the camp. The Bible says he pitched his tent where he lived a great way from the camp. And the presence of God came down and stood at the entrance to Moses' tent. The Bible tells us that all the people stood at their tents and they watched at a distance as Moses went into the presence of God in the tent. 
A young man called Joshua was Moses' attendant. And he witnessed the presence and the power of God. Of course, it was Joshua who was going to be chosen to lead the people into the land of promise. But he'd already encountered God's presence. Tells us he wouldn't leave Moses. He was continually there at the tent door. But God's desire was to be not outside the camp. God wanted to be in the midst of his people. And so he commanded a tabernacle to be built. And Moses built the tabernacle according to the pattern that God had said. And the tabernacle was erected in the middle of the camp of Israel. The word of God says the Ark of the Covenant was brought into the most holy place right at the center of that tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. And the word of God tells us that when the tabernacle was erected, that the glory of God came not only down upon the tabernacle, but it filled the tabernacle with his presence. And Moses couldn't enter into the tabernacle because of the presence of God. God was in the midst of his people. And throughout history, the children of Israel encountered time after time God with them. God came on individuals. The Spirit of God came upon them. The likes of Gideon and Elijah and Elisha. And God did some phenomenal things through the judges, Samson. and The presence of God was with his people. And then there was that man called David, who the Bible says loved God. In fact, the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. And David longed for the presence of God. And he set up a, a, a tabernacle on Mount Zion, a tent. It was called the Tent of Meeting, or the Tabernacle of David. And when they brought the Ark into the, the Ark of the Covenant into that tent on Mount Zion on, in Jerusalem, the Word of God tells us that David danced for joy as he brought the Ark into the Tabernacle. This Tent of Meeting, this Tabernacle, that David erected, became a new, a, a, a new order of joyful worship in total contrast to the, the tabernacle of Moses. Moses was a, it was a solemn act of sacrifice in Moses' tabernacle, but David's tabernacle was a tabernacle of great joy. The Word of God tells us of the joy that was felt when the tabernacle was erected and the instruments were played. And for 40 years, this tabernacle, this tent of meeting, was there. But it was in the heart of David to build God a permanent home. It was in the heart of David for God to have a home where he could dwell. And when Nathan the prophet, when God, when God spoke to Nathan the prophet, God said to Nathan, Has there ever been a time when I have asked you to build me a permanent home? He said, the heaven of heavens can't contain me. 
I want to tell you, friends, God can't be contained in a building. The heaven of heavens can't contain him. But David, because he was a man of war, he had blood on his hands. He wasn't allowed to build the, tab- the temple. But God gave him the plans for the temple. And he said, your son Solomon will build the temple. And when David died, Solomon built the temple. The most magnificent building perhaps that the world had ever seen. And on the day that the temple was erected, the day it was dedicated, the word of God tells us that the glory of God came down. The presence of God filled the temple. The priests couldn't minister. And all the people were on their faces before God. I want to tell you, friends, they went home that day not talking about the building. They went home talking about the God who inhabited the building. But Israel's continual disobedience eventually saw them being exiled to a foreign land. The Babylonians came and they destroyed the temple, took the Israelites into captivity, and they were there for 70 years. Until the Bible tells us that there was a man called Cyrus who was raised up by God, a Persian monarch, a Persian king, who conquered the Babylonians. And it's interesting, isn't it? 150 years before Cyrus was ever born, God had named Cyrus through the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah said there will be a man who will be born, whose name will be Cyrus, and he will be the one who will release the children of Israel from their captivity. 150 years before Cyrus ever existed. And after they'd been in Babylon for 70 years, Cyrus, the king of Persia, overthrew the Babylonians. And in the third year of his reign, the Bible tells us, he, he said, he made a decree that all the Israelites who were in Babylon could return back to their homeland. And they returned. The return was in two stages. And when they returned, they laid, first of all, they laid the foundation to the temple, and then they built another temple in Jerusalem. The word of God tells us that when the men who had seen, who were still alive, who had seen the first temple, when they saw this other temple that had been built, they wept because it was so small in comparison to what Solomon's temple had been. And then the word of God came to a man called uh, Haggai, who prophesied to the governor of, the, of Jerusalem, Zerubbabel. And he said, you see this temple? He said, let me tell you, there is coming a temple. There is coming a day when there will be a temple whose glory will be far greater than the temple that Solomon had. And so the years go on. And Israel still continue to disobey God. And we have 400 years of silence. And in those 400 years of silence, God was still at work 
preparing the way. Remember, since the beginning of creation, God was longing to dwell with his people. And the word of God tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. I want to tell you, friends, everything changed when Jesus was born. He was Emmanuel, God with us. The word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And John says, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Peter said in his epistle, in his letter, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty when he received that voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. During his earthly ministry, Jesus couldn't be hidden. The Bible says he went around doing good, healing all who were sick, all those who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. When he went to Nazareth and opened the book of the prophet Isaiah, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the, the good news, the, the opening of eyes of the blind, the unstopping of deaf ears, to set the captives free. Now this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He was the one who Isaiah had prophesied about. The one who was to come. And multitudes flocked to hear him. They were attracted by the signs and the wonders that he did. Blind eyes were opened. Deaf ears were unstopped. The lame walked. The dead were raised from the dead. Multitudes were miraculously fed. Water was turned into wine. And wherever he went, the presence of God was manifest. The Bible says he was full of grace and truth. You see, friends, God was in him. He and his father were one. I only do the things that my father does. The works that my father does, I do also. God at work on the earth. His presence changed the atmosphere wherever he went. It wasn't just his words, it wasn't just his miracles, it was his presence. His presence. When he went to a place, when he was amongst people, they knew that this was no ordinary man. There was the presence of God amongst them. Presence they could feel within them. A presence they could touch. I want to tell you, friends, his presence is still the same today. The Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one day, this same Jesus who was taken from us into heaven will so come in glory as we've seen him go. One day the skies will be filled with the presence of God and the eternal Son of God 
coming in the clouds with power and great glory. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, we'll be coming with him. Praise God. He's not coming back to the earth alone. We are going to come with him. We believe in the second coming of Christ. And by, isn't it getting nigh? He gave a promise to those who would follow him. Those who would be obedient to his word. He said, if anybody obeys my word, we, we will come to him and we will make our home with him. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus said that they would come and they would make their home to those who were obedient to his word. David wanted to build a house for God, a permanent home. And God had to remind him, through the prophet Nathan, that God cannot be contained in a building. Stephen, when he preached to the Sanhedrin, just before he was stoned to death, he reminded them twice that the Most High does not dwell in houses that are made by human hands. There was a day when Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must have a spiritual rebirth. Unless you are born of water and of the Spirit, you will never see the kingdom of God. I want to tell you, friends, the new birth is a miracle of staggering proportions. And as we sit here this morning, thank God that miracle has happened to us. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And if it hasn't happened to you here this morning, and if it hasn't happened to you who are watching online, I want to tell you it can. The greatest thing that could ever happen to you in your life is that you are born again. That we are born of the Holy Spirit. And at that moment when we are born of the Spirit of God, a miracle happens. And let me tell you what the miracle is. The miracle is that Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come to reside in our lives. Praise God. Friends, it is God who lives in us. I, I pray this morning that we'll have a fresh revelation of who it is that lives in you this morning and lives in me. Just like the Apostle Paul had. He had this revelation of who it was that he served and who it was that lived inside of him. Paul said, it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. He said, Christ in us is the hope of glory. He writes to the church at Corinth, who were in all sorts of mischief and all sorts of wrongdoings. He writes to them, do you not realize that your bodies 
are the temples of God. And God the Holy Ghost lives in you. What he was really saying, you wouldn't be acting like you are. You wouldn't be behaving like you are if you really did know that your bodies are the temples of God and Almighty God lives in your life. Luke preached a few weeks ago on Resurrection Sunday and he brought that scripture, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he also will quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that lives in you. Peter writes, you are living stones built up into a spiritual house. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, we are God's building. We are God's house. Let me tell you, friends, if you want to know where God is, he lives right inside of you this morning. Your bodies are the temples where God Almighty dwells. And you know, when we have that knowledge of Christ living in us, it affects the way that we live. It affects the way that we speak. It affects the way that we act. It affects everything about our lives. Our house, our temple. God wants to fill that temple full of his fullness. He writes to the Ephesian church that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, friends, he doesn't want his temple to be empty. He wants his temple to be full of, his, full of himself. You know, when you're full of God, when you are full of God, there's no room for any rubbish to get in. When we are full of God, no wonder the Bible says we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost. Because when we are full of him, there is no time for anything else to mar and spoil our work with God. There's nothing special about this house. Please understand that. There's nothing special about this building. This is just a building, bricks and mortar. And let me tell you, friends, when we go home today, God is everywhere, isn't he? He's omnipresent. So God is here, even when we are not here, like he's in every other place at every other time. I want to tell you, such knowledge blows our minds, doesn't it? But I believe what the Bible tells us, that God is everywhere. But when we go home today, we don't leave God in this building. We haven't come here this morning just to, to meet with God. God is, all, God is, we are meeting with God every day of our lives. And when we go home today, we'll take God with us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. But you know something, friends? When we leave here today, God will not be active in this building. He'll be here. 
but there'd be no chair, there'd be nothing taking place because we are not here. I want to tell you, friends, this morning, when we come together, this should be the most exciting place that you could ever, ever go to because we are bringing God in with us. And when we come together at times like this, there should be an explosion of God's life amongst us because we are bringing the measure of God in to the service. And when we come, there should be an expectancy that God is going to break out amongst us. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Our gathering should be full of God, full of His presence, because we bring that presence and we bring God in with us. His anointing, His Spirit should be flowing amongst us like a river. A river of life flowing amongst the church when the church gathers together. Full of God. Full of the fullness of God. Every day of our lives we can be full of God. But not only does He live in us, He wants to flow out of us. Out of you, Jesus said. Out of you shall flow rivers of living water. What is this river? It's God himself. Out of us will flow God. This river of living water. This he spoke about the Holy Spirit. About the Spirit of God. Because when Jesus said this at the tabernacles when he cried if any man thirst let him come to me and drink when he said this the spirit had not yet been given because it couldn't be given until Jesus was glorified but the spirit of God he said out of you will flow this living water this spirit of God that will bring life to mankind these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Blind eyes will open, deaf ears will be unstopped, the lame will walk. Greater works than these that I do, you will do also. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Friends, the baptism in the Holy Ghost is given that we might be empowered to serve God. That we might be his hands, his feet, moving in a broken world to set the captives free. To release those who are in bondage. And God's river, it dwells within us. This river of God and he said this river will flow out of us. The same Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was in Jesus is now in you and in me. That same Spirit is in us. And wherever Jesus went, he released the Spirit of God. 
the touch of his finger, the laying on of his hands, with even one day making spit in the clay and putting it on a blind man's eyes by the words that he spoke. Nobody ever spoke like this man. The people latched on every word that he said. His word, the Bible says, his words were spirit and life. Friends, he didn't just speak. There was life in his words, even by his very presence. His presence, when he came into a place, his presence changed the atmosphere. And I want to say, friends, it's, it, can, it should be no different for us either. No different whatsoever for us. God wants to release his spirit through us. Out of us will flow this living water. You know, it was a, a picture. We read in Ezekiel 47 of water coming from the temple in Jerusalem. And this will actually take place when the temple is rebuilt. And water will issue from the temple in Jerusalem. And the prophet Ezekiel saw this water going down and flowing into the Dead Sea. And when it hit the Dead Sea, everything in the Dead Sea lived. For those of us who have been to the Dead Sea, nothing lives there. But one day, friends, the Dead Sea will come to life. The Bible says fishermen will be around its shores. One day the Dead Sea will live again. It will live. And the Bible says that as that water came from Jerusalem and it began to flow down through that valley that the Mount of Olives had split open when Jesus' feet stands upon it, when the water comes towards the Dead Sea, everything that the water touches lives. Everything that this living water touches comes alive. Barren places come alive. That which is dead, when the water touches it, it begins to live. And when Jesus stood there on the day of tabernacles and de declared that, he said, out of you will flow rivers of living water. He was referring to this water. This water that he dispensed wherever he went. The Spirit of God, wherever he went and touched people. This is what he was saying would happen. Things would come alive. Hallelujah. No wonder the Bible exhorts us to be filled with the Spirit. Keep on being full of the Holy Ghost. Because when we are full of Him, we become channels to a broken world. And friends, as you sit there this morning, and as you watch online, God Almighty resides in you. He resides in me. God himself. Paul said, in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. But let me tell you, in my spirit, my spirit is alive to God. And God is in you. He's in me. And I really felt this morning, friends, that God wants to meet with us. This God that we spoke about. This God who appeared in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. This God who brought fire down from heaven and touched the, uh, the, uh, came on Mount Carmel and the fire consumed the sacrifice. This God who Moses met. This God who Moses met at the bush. 
This God who walked the earth for 33 years, he's here this morning by his spirit and he's wanting to meet with each one of us. He's wanting us to have a fresh touch of himself upon our lives. He's wanting, the Bible says, he, he will quicken our mortal bodies. He'll make us alive to his plans and his purposes. And I really believe this morning, friends, that he not only wants to fill our lives here this morning, he wants to fill our gatherings together in ways like we've never seen before. That God Almighty wants to invade this place. I really believe it. That God wants to come. But friends, it won't come from heaven. It won't come from something that we can't see. It will come from you and from me. As we walk in with God and being full of God and walking with God like Enoch walked with him, that's how the presence of God will come into this place. If anybody, if anybody hears my word and obeys my voice, we will come to him. We will make our home with him. I often ask myself, is my home a place that welcomes him? As he searches my heart, does he see a home that he is welcomed in? That he's at home in? And if God could kick his slippers off and put his feet up, can he find that resting place in me? Can he find it in you? Or is there something in our lives that would stop him and prevent him from doing what he wants to do through us and in us? I long for a fresh touch of God upon my life. And I know you do too. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. We want to spend some time this morning just soaking in the presence of God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as you come amongst us this morning, that you might touch our lives afresh. Give us a fresh revelation, Lord, of the God that we serve and the one who lives within us. Oh, God, reveal yourself. Manifest yourself to us. Reveal yourself to us, Lord, that out of us, out of us, will flow those rivers of life, those rivers of living water. God, this world is in desperate need, desperate need of you to come. And we're just inviting you this morning that you might come and that you might do what only you can do. Thank you, Lord.